You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Octavio Fernandez y Mostajo. My name is Claire Perini. And welcome back to an amazing episode of the Regent College Podcast. Friends, this is Octavio's last podcast in his time as producer of the Regent College Podcast. Yes, it is. And we went out with a bang. With a big bang. With a, with big, a big bang. artistic bang. <laughs> you'll, you'll get a little bit more of a sense of, um, of who is going to step into Octavio's shoes and we'll, you know, we'll thank Octavio properly. But that's, now is not the time to do that yes. in this podcast. But the reason this podcast was such a joy is because we were talking to Marco Fujimura, who is an American artist uh, based in New York City. And he has done his degree at Bucknell University and then studied traditional Japanese painting uh, in his doctoral program at the Tokyo University of Arts. So Marco is an established, like excellent, well-known artist. Uh, And he's also an author and he's written a book recently called Art and Faith, A Theology of Making. And then he also wrote a book called Culture Care. And so we sort of talked about uh, the ideas that come out of those books and how we understand um, art and making as Christians and uh, what it means to, how do we understand art? How do we appreciate art? How do we understand the Bible as art? As a producer, I do my research when I invite uh, people to the podcast. And I've heard a bunch of of other podcasts with Michael because if you if you you know do your research, you can find Michael in different other podcasts. But let me say, and this is one hundred percent the truth. He's I've never heard him talk about the things he shared on this podcast ever. I've read his books and I've I've listened to a bunch of interviews. He's he's never said things the things he said on this podcast. And and, and with that, we're really proud. So this is gonna be. You know, fresh, new, and and, and, it, and it's amazing. Uh, Michael would say that it's it's difficult for an artist to communicate with words. All all of this richness that they know, especially Michael knows, it's really diff- difficult to to share with words. So a lot of this podcast is not just understanding the words, but it's feeling what he's communicating. Because you know, mm-hmm. it's different when when you, when you have those conversations with artists. You, you you feel stuff, not just understand it logically, but your body understands it in a different at a different level than just the logical level. Mm-hmm. You know, so mm-hmm. this is one of those podcasts. You just start feeling being confronted by by th- what he calls sanctified imagination. Yeah, mm. this is this is a different one, and by so that I mean a, I'm an amazing one. You're getting a sense of. Uh, why Octavio decided to end his season on the podcast with Marco Fujimura. So we hope you enjoy Octavio's last podcast and our great conversation with Marco Fujimura. Marco, welcome to the Regent College podcast. We're so excited to have you. So great to uh, be here with you. 
I wish people We're could so see your, um, your studio behind. Are you in your studio right now? I am in my studio in oh, Princeton. Wish, uh, wish... This is where I've been for a year and a half. I used to have mm-hmm. a studio in California, but uh, because of pandemic and, and other reasons that we, we closed that. So this is this is where I work. And you see these two yeah. monumental paintings behind yeah. me for walking yeah, they're water. huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> monumental. That's a great word to describe those. And I mean, by far, people don't know because you just listen to the podcast. But by far, that's the best background we've ever seen uh, from from a guest. By far, <laughs> you know, I mean, lots of people have books on their wall and yeah. all that kind of or stuff. Beds but, or beds, these monumental uh, artworks is just yeah. takes it to a whole other level. <laughs> which is a, which is the perfect segue for what we're going to be talking about. Exactly. Which is about it's like who would have thought uh, about art and faith? Your book, art and faith. A theology of making, yes. and so um, we're gonna we're just gonna just talk about that, and it's just gonna mm-hmm. be great to chat with you about it. Um, mm-hmm. you you say that the first question people should be asked when they walk into our church building is, "What did you make this week?" Now yes. we're not talking about making dinner. We're not talking about making coffee. Oh, it can um, be that. Yeah, it can be that. <laughs> it can yeah. be that. Okay. okay, it can be that. So, what yeah. what do you talk to us about about that? Yeah, so we are made in the image of God, who is the Creator. Um, that's the first thing we know about God in Genesis and and really uh, throughout the Bible. Um, but we tend to uh, limit God's work in um, human uh, history as one that fixes things, you know, one that um, for some, maybe it's an yeah. invitation to return to Eden or something like that. But mm-hmm. that's not. Because that that's not the Bible. Bible is um, is is about Christ uh, um, coming to us, um, incarnate incarnate uh, God who uh, lives the life that we ought to live and, mm-hmm. and dies the death that we need uh, to be part of God's salvific plans and and then uh, the resurrection, uh, this improbable, uh, the impossibility of breaking uh that reality uh that uh, allows us to ponder the possibility mm-hmm. of death of death and and then the pentecost and the ascension and so forth but that's not the end that's the beginning mm. yeah so so i i i say that god is continuing to make uh semper creator and we are part of that plan uh we are, uh, in fact we don't deserve to be but we are invited to partake by god's choice um it is it is something that is um incredible invitation that i don't often hear uh, preached and that's why I, I i say that when people come into a church people who are made in the image of god people who are artists um not professionally like i am but artists of the kingdom nevertheless mm. but uh, artists with a small a um yeah. invited by the grand artist uh with a capital a to mm. um co-create um mm-hmm. in, into the new creation Mm-hmm. And this, yeah. this is the scriptural promise, and and something that I don't think we take seriously as a, as Christians. Yeah. Um, we mm-hmm. we uh, we um, learn and take notes and try to apply what we learn. Um, uh, you know, the work of exegesis and all that is important. But ultimately, the question should be, wh- what are we making, and does that taste good? Mm. Yeah. Have you always thought like this, Marco? Oh, well, sorry. you know, what's interesting <laughs> is I became a photo of Christ at the age of 27. I, okay. I told my 
um, conversion, inversion, mm -hmm. because I felt all through my life, even as a child, and my my family was not religious, but I felt something going through me when I painted, and I mm -hmm. I thought everybody had this experience, you know, and <laughs> until you you go to middle school and find out. Wait a second, maybe yeah, not. <laughs> it's kind of a weird thing to talk about, you know, playing soccer with your friends, um, but you know, you realize, oh, um, so so this is not something uh, you talk about and you, you suppress that, you know, and, and until I realized that this is, you know, what many will call a calling or something that is mm -hmm. uh, being um, grace done unto you rather than something you chose. Uh, it was a gift. Mm -hmm. It was a gift given to you. And, and so I... Um, began to journey into that uh, process of creativity and 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 thinking about the presence of the spirit uh, mm. even as a non non-religious person mm. and when I heard the voice of Christ um, through reading of the Bible but it was through William Blake's poem uh, ultimately that uh, yeah. had this inversion experience of oh that voice is exactly what I am experiencing. Mm. And that is the longing that I had in my heart for uh, this creator God to fulfill yeah. um, my calling and my mission. And, and, and so, so when I read the Bible um, through and through, it, it, I, it just jumped out at me at so many places where it was a, a book about creativity and creation. It's a different mm -hmm. kind of creativity than you talk about in art school you know right. it's self-expression but it, it is uh, expression of grace working through you exactly what I experienced as a child mm -hmm. so it, it, it was um, kind of an obvious question but just like in middle school you know you you don't talk about it you don't go to church and talk about this <laughs> you know so what Bible are you reading you know yeah. Exodus 31 you know <laughs> the Holy <laughs> the Moses tabernacle at two and a yeah. half cubits by one and a half cubit and they say oh oh I skipped that part <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? so, yeah. so so then then I learned again not to talk about this right mm. so over the years I took notes um you know and and oftentimes this will be very useful in conversation with artists just just um in public sphere where it's not outside a religious context um or maybe in, you know, uh, Chelsea or Greenwich Village in New York City, talking to non-Christian artists, mm -hmm. I, I talk about the, the amazing reality of new creation in the Bible that I, I you know, I'm encountering through, uh, throughout the Bible. And this, you know, they, and and oftentimes they grew up in the church. A lot of artists, yeah, have, right, you know, rejected it, but they, they're, you know, and and they're like, nobody's ever told me this. Mm -hmm. Like that's in the Bible. So, so those things, you know, I, I began to take note and um, I did a series of lectures called Non-Culture Care when I was um, appointed to be uh, National Council on the Arts in the United States. And I was advocating for U.S. arts, not, not, not just in the church, but outside of church. Yeah. And and I I talk about fruit of the spirit, but I don't talk about Galatians five. I talk about love, joy, peace, patience, mm -hmm. guidance, right, gentleness, and those things we we, we don't argue against really. No. What is culture care versus culture war? 
you know, what is the assumption behind those things? And I, I, I talked about those and I, and I wrote a book called Culture Care. Yeah. And so, but, but I had all these notes, massive notes. Uh, the book that I um, ended up publishing with Yale Press recently is only one third of, of the notes I taken. One third. Nice. So we got to leave two more books. Uh, but probably something like that, um, you know, um, yeah, d- directly from scripture and I'm making notes to myself basically. And then, you know, I, as an artist uh, in public sphere, I'm translating those principles into the world. Mm. Yeah. And I have a question. You, you, you mentioned the, that there was given for, to you as a gift, as a calling, do you? F- it, and it, it somehow, I'm, I'm guessing, it makes you feel isolated because what you were saying, like nobody, nobody else is feeling this. I cannot communicate this to anybody. W- w- did you feel like you were sort of taking up your cross? And and if you feel that way, h- how do you deal with that sort of sense of isolation? Do you embrace it? How do you? Yeah, I I didn't see it as anything but normal. You know, like like this, right. this is the world and better grow up in it you know um but then i read accounts of jesus right and 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 um it it just so his life so uh, was amplified in in this way that this this person who who should feel at home Mm -hmm. felt completely exiled Mm -hmm. and and it's in in his voice and it's you know when he speaks in parables he 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 Mm -hmm. does so because what is the most important thing, no one's going to get. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's coded in a way, and, and uh, Blake calls the Bible the great code. You know? and, and so the, there is this process of this gap, perhaps, between certainly between us and God, but certainly be, and also between each other. Yeah. Uh-huh cannot be crossed a chasm and and so in order to communicate as an artist i had to understand that there's going to be i had to develop my own sense of hiddenness the kind of a crypto Uh mentality Uh Uh, in order to communicate what i want i cannot express it in the in a direct way that i you know uh And so I can't, uh, for instance, the, you know, I can't expect everybody to have the same experience that I do. And then the, how do you communicate? Is that, is that mean what yeah. your experience is not important or it turns out to be, it's very important, mm. but it took me like 40 years to, <laughs> yeah. you know, you know <laughs> how to, how to try mm-hmm. to communicate this. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's like coming to peace with with what you want to communicate and what you cannot communicate, knowing that they'll have they'll understand what twenty percent of it, and and that's it. I guess. Yeah, right. And and the gospel is truth that we think we understand. Yeah, but yeah. you know, like <laughs> like the more I understand it, the less I you understand it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So the, the mystery of it only increases, you know, after being encountering and experiencing in life, mm. testing it out. And, and then you come back to the same passage in scripture and you say, I thought I understood this, but, you know, now I have a new perspective mm-hmm. it's deep and it's alive in that sense. It, it continues yeah. to enlarge itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I love this, which is totally related with what we're talking about. Uh, this line in your book it says what if the entire bible is a work of art 
rather than the dictates of predetermined checked boxes for us to get on God's good side. So it's what you're saying, the, the coding, uh, you're talking about the powerful, the parables. So how, how, how can we start to understand the Bible as art? W what things would change if we start reading the Bible as art? So uh, Ellen Davis, Dr. Ellen Davis at Duke, uh, Old Testament scholar, you know, wrote a book called uh, on agrarian theology, mm. and and she's she said, and it's about poetry as well. Mm. Mm. Uh, she mm. says, you know, seventy five percent, eighty percent of the Bible is poetry and poetic language. Yeah, and, and I note this in the book, but you know, in the Septuagint Bible, there's um, uh, over, I believe, thousand eight hundred examples of the use of the word poiesis which is often in the English language translated as doing. So when James talks about become a doer of the word, that word doer is poietes. It literally means become a poet of the mm, word. Mm. Not just, you know, the activism behind your faith to do what you, you believe, which is often the way it's, you know, preached. Um, it's more than that. It's actually yeah. the nuance and, and, and the artistry of living the word uh, embedded in, in your life. So, so much mm -hmm. so that you're, you are, you become the work of work of art, the poetry of God. And in this case, you are to become the poet of mm -hmm. the word, you know? So, so that, that, that's a different kind of perspective. And um, so when, when I began to collaborate with uh, Ellen and others uh, like Anthony Wright and, understand that this is not just an artist thinking you know right bible because i'm an artist you know i read it that read into it no yeah. they were saying no no marco you are absolutely right to say that putting letters for example which anti Wright has written extensively of recent times cannot be understood unless you understand that public poem that is being sung um, you know, Ellen Davis saying, you know, uh, you cannot understand the Bible if you don't understand poetry and agrarian poetry. At that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. What do we do in seminaries? We we don't do neither of those. <laughs> we don't do farming yeah. or, or learn poetry. <laughs> <laughs> Except yeah. at Regent. Sometimes at Regent. <laughs> Some, Sometimes. But it's not for your whole degree. It's very... Except at Regent. You're absolutely <laughs> right. You know, and yeah, so, so there's something about, you know, the, the close connection yeah. between, um, and, and this, this is true of work and faith issues as well. You know, we, we tend to industrialize work and make work some kind of a curse, you know, after mm -hmm. the fall. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. work is part of making. So, you know, at Region College, what you're trying to do is understand um, scripture and understand the gospel in, in light of living it out, right? Mm -hmm. So your work is part of your, it should be part of your song. It, it yeah. should be mm -hmm. part of your artwork. It's hard work, you know, yeah, but yeah. yes, yeah. the outcome should be the fruit um, and uh, that, that in the public sphere that anybody can uh, taste and see that it's good. Mm -hmm. And then that yeah. would be the entry point into understanding the scriptural truth. Um, but oftentimes in, in, in any kind of context that 
teaches, uh, not just the Bible, but, you know, in, in educational setting, it becomes an informational learning. And right. yeah. that, that's about um, how we inhabit the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, we just had a podcast with somebody you know, it's Esther, Dr. Esther Meek, a philosopher. I believe she's your friend. Yes. I mean, yes. I mean she, she, she loves you. Oh. Uh, she, she she talks about reality being something the self this closest to you. Mm. It's not like a like a thing you 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 study. It's like reality is the life, and and w- once reality self discloses, it's grace and the way of 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 you know she she talks about epistemology and and she has this covenant epistemology and it definitely I mean people can 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 go and, and check that episode, but it definitely resonates with mm-hmm. everything you're saying mm-hmm. most definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Esther's work is I I quote her in my every book really because <laughs> her work is so to me fundamental to this this issue of you know how do we learn mm-hmm. you know, what i i think is um you know more more somatic knowledge is yeah is the, the entire body and mind soul and spirit coming together integrated and we have this epistemic def- default, as he mm-hmm. talks about, that that is creating all these false dichotomies, and that's that's why we fight culture wars. You know, we, mm. we assume a limited um, resource environment, um, and and as Christians, um, you know, it, it's it's counter to the gospel uh, uh, assumption of abundance. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, we think, well, we have to we have to make this decision because we have, you know, either this or this, um, and and that's that's an epistemic default that that has been built into uh, uh, our minds that mm-hmm. uh, has been we we taught we've been taught that we've imbibed it we we've been you know we've been told so many times we have to do something practical you know don't don't be, don't be an artist. Or yeah. don't, or don't study uh, literature, and and that's that's a epistemic default. I, mm. I mean, like uh, you know, the st- studies. So many studies have shown that actually it's it's you know liberal arts majors do better in the workforce than uh, a, a lot of people who have mm. specialized because mm. specialized work, especially today, is going to be gone. Uh, you'll be taken over by <laughs> machines. Yeah, urgent mm. skills uh, are less and less uh, needed in the world. Um, and and divergent skills are more 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 important, and that that but we don't have the educational model how how to account for right. the diverse ways that we need to respond to crisis and trauma uh, certainly today and mm-hmm. and um, so the, the these these are really important points that you know Esther is is talking about that applies directly to uh, what what we need to do as, mm-hmm. as we- mm-hmm. mm. How, how do you, how do you learn to sort of trust that sort of intuitive knowledge? You know, because it's as you say, like you're you're feeling like, oh, am I the only one who thinks this? You know, maybe I'm a bit off base here. So how do you learn to trust that kind of intuitive knowledge and and ideas? How what talk to us about that? So, so, so you make things, right? 
Okay, it's always about making. The answer is always to make things. Yeah, so <laughs> let's let's take a simple case I talk about in the book. You know, you you have fresh eggs and you want to make an omelet. What do you do? Mm -hmm. You look at a recipe book, so you look at YouTube, you know, uh, videos of Jack Pepin making omelets, right? You can do mm -hmm. it over and over. And and it's it's supposed to be very simple. The 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 egg is, is the only thing you need to make an omelet, really. But uh, you actually try to do everything that the recipe says and the video says and, and it doesn't come out anywhere near that's <laughs> <laughs> omelet. Yeah. So what is the gap between the recipe and and, yeah. and the actual omelet? And and the test of the omelet is not whether it looks good. You know, it look if it looks like Jack Papa's or not. No. The test of the omelet is does it taste good? Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to taste it in order to say, oh, this, I did it right. And, mm -hmm. and therefore, if you eat a great omelet, you want to find out what the recipe is, how, how it's made. Right. So but but we do the opposite in, mm -hmm. in life. We often take the we argue over the recipe first of all, right? <laughs> and and then we pass out, you know, what's wrong and what's right. And and then you know we don't even make it. We just we just right. assume mm. that because it that is that is so freaking true. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Sorry. So so we need to actually start by practicing tasting. I think you know in order to make right. It, you if you want to make something, you better learn to taste. It's some whatever it is that you're trying to make. If it's art, go to museums and look at great art. Mm. You know, if it's music, you listen to great music and cultivate your ear first before you start to make perhaps. But 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 more importantly, I think it is the hard discipline that that goes into learning an instrument. Learning it, it, it takes long, long 10,000 hours of failures in order to um, master anything. So be patient with yourself. But you know, start now because it takes 10,000 hours. Yeah. That's that's 10 <laughs> years or whatever. You know, and and be, um, invest in yourself. So plant plant you know um a, a tree of imagination in, in your heart so so Ooh. that we that that will grow over time take take root you know and nourish them water them because that that will uh take root and um again you know our education system doesn't do that so mm. so and and people are not um you know people live in this epistemic default system so mm -hmm. so we have to learn to create communities that value these things right so so that that's what i mean like you know uh, ideal church would be a community mm -hmm. um welcomes you and says oh what what did you well what uh, the question is what do you want to make right yeah mm -hmm. make and how can we help you like how yeah. can you uh -huh you to make whatever is it work is it justice is it you know beauty right whatever it is mm. you have passion for you have calling for um and you know what happened between what what you're trying to do and where you are now why why mm. is there a gap why is there a, a schism why is there a fissure mm. why is there why is mm. it you know shattered <laughs> into many yeah, yeah. <laughs> You, you know, yeah. somebody shattered it, right? Mm. You had an experience of trauma or somebody told you, you can't do that. Or, you you know, and, and artists are those stubborn types like me who, who, who's been told no a thousand times and say, mm -hmm. oh, thank you for telling me that because that tells me that I'm on the right track. Right. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> right. Like somehow that mm. kind of like it helps build your intuition because it's like actually 
Yeah, if it, yeah, yeah, if it's not quite right, then yeah. Learn to do that, you know, yeah. kind of this uh, type of transgression in love, I call it. You know, it's, mm. it's kind of love mechanism. Love, because love is always making, right? You don't go out on a date and, and do accounting. You mm. go out on a date and you listen to beautiful music, you know, movie, go to a movie or uh, experience theater, you, mm-hmm. you, you know, and have great food, right? And, and all these things are not necessary for survival. So why do we do that? Like, why do we love? And love, you know, is excessively gratuitous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and there, there it is. That's, that's mm. the, you know, reality that we are, we are all longing for. And, and, but our pragmatic utilitarian pragmatism has, you know, has, has rendered those things as unnecessary. And, and the church has made that into an extra thing that it would be nice to have, but not for the bottom line of running a church. Mm. It should be flipped because right. God created the universe in gratuity, not out of need. The, you know, the theological concept of aseity of God mm. is, tells mm. us that God is self-sufficient or sufficient. God doesn't need any of us to do anything. God doesn't mm-hmm. need Christians debating atheists to prove that God exists. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, no, that's a false epistemic default, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. So, so uh, I mean, we, we, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's just, it's just that unless we're making, we become victim to uh, consumer mentality. Mm-hmm. Okay? Become part of a mechanism that eats into these, you know, false dichotomies all the time, and creates a uh, kind of a ghost uh, enemy and mm-hmm. scapegoating uh, all the time, right? mm. making rather than growing into the hard work of making. And then artists are those types, and, and so so we can learn a lot from artists because they're. They're actually doing it. You know, a modern dancer is practicing 10 hours a day just to make one leap, right? And mm-hmm. and and this, so why is she doing that? Mm. You know, what is the passion? What is that first love? And we can learn a lot from her about the discipline of how mm-hmm. to prepare your body so that you can excel, you know, and, and all those things that uh, society has told her not to do <laughs> like mm. wasting your time right your body to you know do something you know extravagantly beautiful mm-hmm. right and, mm. and so you decide to no, i'm gonna still do that every day you know mm. why right so 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 the church ought to be a place where people like that are welcomed <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah yeah that is true <clears throat> Sorry for interrupting your podcast, but Claire Perini has something really, really important that she wants to share with you. For the last number of weeks and months, you will have had a little interruption from Octavio and I with me trying to say rgnt.net forward slash give. And the reason for that is um, that we love hearing from people who are enjoying and appreciating the podcast. We love hearing that. And we love hearing that you enjoy it so much that you want to give Regent a little bit of a donation to say thanks. And so this is an invitation 
to continue doing that or to do that for the first time uh, to allow us to continue to keep having these really good conversations with people all over the world about all sorts of things, about the good, beautiful kingdom of God and how it plays itself out in the life of everyday Christians. So if you would like to give a donation to Regent College to say thanks for the podcast, Octavia and I would be delighted. You can do that at rgnt.net forward slash give. And please, if you'd leave a donation, uh, write in the comment box over there that the podcast sent you. Enjoy Enjoy the the rest rest of our conversation. conversation. Are there any bad kinds of making? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> because making is it can be an idol, right? So right. Um, the first example of making is golden calf. Yeah, right. right. And uh, that's that's normative, right? So we live in the forum world and everything we do, we twist to make idols. We're, you know, our hearts are idol factories, like Calvin said. Mm. So we're, we, but that shows that we are makers. And you may mm. think of yourself as an artist, but, you know, I, I always say if I'm speaking at a, let's say, a Sunday morning, you know, educational class at church, right? I say between the time you got into your car and you got to this church, did you use your imagination to create something that didn't exist by worrying about it? Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> people mm-hmm. are like nodding their heads yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. so I just proved that you are an artist <laughs> right but instead of using your imagination to create something of, of abundance and hopeful abundance uh, you used it to to really create a situation where it's untenable you cannot win you you are in fear yeah. Filled with anxiety, you're thinking about the worst outcomes, or actually, you're not thinking about the worst outcomes because mm. you're not using your imagination. If you can use your imagination, you think about the worst outcomes and you say, Oh, that's not bad. But, right. <laughs> but that, that's see, we don't train our imagination that way towards sanctified, you know, uh, grace and sanctified imagination. So, you know, we, we don't, and, and poetry helps us do that, right? So we're not teaching in, in a way that our neurons will start connecting rather than creating these segments. And, you know, we're having these, mm. these misfiring going mm. on, stressed out about it. Um, so all of us are imaginative. We are created to be creative. We are imag- uh, creatures of the imagination, mm-hmm. and and we use imagination to worry and be concerned about what is what is to come. You know, so Jesus says, "Do not be anxious <laughs> about what you eat or wear." Mm-hmm. You know, but, but consider the lilies first, right? The flowers that are all around you, that are in abundance. There are burning bushes everywhere. And, and we, we can be part of, of our, you know, journey as artists of the kingdom, observing and, and like, like marveling at, at the world and beholding mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit more about sanctified imagination, especially if you could give us an example of, of uh, unsanctified imagination in this case, in a sanctified imagination <laughs> in that case, so, so we can get a, a grasp of, of that concept and idea? Right. So, uh, you know, something that has been trained is, is uh, you know, is, is, is the natural outcome is to create idols, 
right? So, so we we tend to scapegoat. We tend to uh, make decisions based on fear and anxiety rather than love. Mm-hmm. Right? Love, love is sanctified imagination. Okay. And 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 you know the um, when Paul talks about the eyes of your heart, that that word um, that's used there in Greek um, is the the closest word in English language. Um, I'm told by Dr. Aaron Davis is is imagination, the heart, that word for heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so we are to uh, see with the eyes of our imagination. Right, then that's faith. Mm-hmm. So to grow, to sanctify imagination is the exercise of faith with a foot of, um, you know, beauty and love, but knowing the 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 scarcity all around us, the the, the reality all around mm-hmm. us, and being willing to face our ground zero experiences or you know mm-hmm. traumas. Mm-hmm. And being able to walk in, in into that, um, and and that forces us to, you know, when you're standing as as I have in Ground Zero, New York after 9/11, mm-hmm. you are forced to imagine because of the empty sky, new buildings, right? Mm-hmm. Right. That that's kind of the picture here. We yeah. we want to look at our Ashfield world wasteland in front of us and we are to turn that into something that is necessary that that uh, for not just to recover but something new in into that mm-hmm. space mm-hmm. and all of us have that vacant space that has uh-huh. been devastated that have been traumatized that has been forcefully you know removed from us mm. and, and that place is is a place of entry point for us to begin our journey towards sanctified imagination. Uh-huh. Oh man, that's that's a, how how those moments of darkness and pain can become the the it for that sanctified imagination. It's how how yeah, man, that's that's great, man, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's so beautiful. First Corinthians, you know, three passages about the fire, a judgment fire, right? Paul talks about building the, the the church, the body of Christ, being built on the foundation of Christ. And that he, he says, you know, this will be tested by fire, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and you know, wood, hay, straw, and gold, silver, and precious stones, which are, by the way, the materials I use. You know, I was yeah. excited when I read that. I was like, <laughs> wow, Paul understands my work. You know, yeah. <laughs> and and then then I thought about it. I said, oh my goodness, this is this is profound. But because he doesn't say that, you know. The, these things that we built will be just burnt up. He says, mm. he, he he says, you may survive, but the work that, you know, may be sanctified by the fire, right? Mm-hmm. And and so that means that some of the works may remain and, and all of the works will be sanctified in some way. The mm-hmm. dross will be burnt up and what is pure is going to remain. Mm-hmm. That, that's a profound thing mm. that you know uh oftentimes i hear preachers say you know uh the only thing remains are you know word of god and us yeah right and 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 so where you know what happens to art what happens to music what happens to feast what you know dance 
oh no, those, those things are frivolous. They get burned up anyways, right? The mm. culture is going to be burned up, and, and civilization mm. is going to be burned up. Mm. Yeah. That's not what First Corinthians three says. Mm. <laughs> yes, there's fire, but it's a fire of sanctification, and that's mm. good news. We want to be in that fire, right? So, mm. so when we're going through a real fire in life um uh literally sometimes mm. um, and uh, you know i'm not i'm not saying that it's any anything easy to go through or anything mm. that can be dismissed mm. as some you know some it's, it's for sanctification um, mm, no. there's a reality of darkness and evil and and all of that right and mm. and yet for an artist you know there is no art, I'm convinced, that it had did not come straight out of that place. Uh-huh. Right? There's no, there's, there's no Shakespeare without the Black Plague, right? Shakespearean theater began be, outside of London because of the Black Plague, and Shakespeare wrote to you know um, people, commoners and patrons and and kings and queens. It creating these, uh, you know, uh, quarantine spaces. Mm. And so that's why he's writing the, uh, these characters off each other to have them communicate between mm. layers, right? And so Romeo and Juliet literally is, you know, across the, you know, the chasm of, of, of Stratford Theater. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, and, and we know it's time of Black Plague because, you know, uh, Juliet's uh, messenger to Romeo doesn't get there because he had to be quarantined. Mm. <laughs> so, so, you know, Shakespeare wrote in, in severe trauma, mm. uh, Frangelico painted, well, one third of the population of Europe was dying in front of me and, and all these invasions were happening. And, you know, uh, I think three popes excommunicated in five years or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hemingway, right? Dante, they, these are uh, Tolkien, C.S. Lewis. These are all frontline soldiers, right? Severely traumatized by war. T.S. Eliot, writing the four quartets after writing The Wasteland, experiencing the Blitz. Right. It's like all these people in the past built our civilization upon words and images and music that came out of trauma and darkness. Mm. And we live on those. And that's why Beethoven's, you know, you know, late sonatas are so beautiful because he couldn't hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's sanctified imagination. You can't even hear music, and yet you're composing this music in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and and so many examples of this, right? So so there's something about human reality and history of, of culture that that says to us, yes, you know, as as improbable and difficult as it is to say this. Mm. That, Traumas and darkness are the entry point for us. Now, it doesn't mean that, you know, you, you are forced to create into them. I, I know many artists who couldn't create during the pandemic, and mm. that's a natural reaction. Uh, and and there, there are many reasons for that mm. that is justified. But, you know, but nevertheless, we, we, we have to really re- reconfigure how we view everything, culture. Mm. Mm. great opportunity to do so yeah mm-hmm. oh man 
How much can you just hate, you know, sickness and pain and the trauma and the destruction, but then see how how gods and the arts redeem those things and bring life to so many and so you uh, it's 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 frustrating and beautiful at the same time there's so much pain and then from out of that pain comes one of like some of the most beautiful things found on earth but it's like oh it's frustrating to the core but then the power of god in redeeming and bringing so much life out of that and bringing and becoming that entry point into beautiful and and, and oh man it's it's I just can't understand. It's frustrating and no, beautiful. It, it is frustrating, and and it is it is. Uh, that's why you need community to journey yeah. with and through mm-hmm. uh, a community that can behold your you know brokenness and your trauma, and uh, without trying to fix it, right? And, mm. and this this is the key thing: is can we look at the fractures and traumas as they are, as ugly and painful? and carry that you know into yeah. ourselves um as we share those things um we are we find healing but and and some some traumas you never get over mm-hmm. um you know i i stood at columbine high school with the the victims uh, families uh, for the 20th uh commemoration of oh. the shooting and you know, there, there's nothing you can say to them that mm-hmm. even 20 years after, you know, like the, the, there's no sense that they can get over this, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And yet you move on, yet you start to create new into the, that those painful, painful realities. And and then, you know, you you hope to find a community that find resilience that grows in resilience through that. Mm-hmm. And, and Littleton mm-hmm. Colorado is exactly that, you know, the, the, the shooters parents are still there. Yeah. Right. Remarkable statement. Now that did they have an easy time being there? No, but they said that in one of the interviews that, you know, like it, it, it's like they thought about moving away, but what would that solve? Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they'll be faced with the same kind of specters over and over anyway. Yeah. So might as well stay. And they found some healing by people, community that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. helped them through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, we walk day to day into so so much brokenness. We just don't. I mean, we're so broken ourselves that we just are blind to the brokenness of so, so many people. But like when you say we, we if we tap and make out of our own brokenness, it could heal so many, mm-hmm. so much of the brokenness outside. It's it's oh, it's just something special. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, it's, I find it as we're talking because I'm fully on board. And as I'm and as I'm thinking about, it, I'm thinking, what about the people who there are the people in our world who it seems like don't have the privilege to create. But what you're saying is actually because they're they are actually in full on survival mode. But that and you know, in, in terms of, uh, yeah, life and, you know, everything. And so, but what you're saying is actually it's, it is out of those places of brokenness that there, there still will be making like, it's kind of like it's, it can't not, you can't not make that that's actually, if that's the seedbed of making, but yeah, that, that's kind of where my mind goes. I'm like, oh, that sounds beautiful. And then I'm like, but what about, you know, and I'm sure you've had those thoughts as well. Is, isn't, isn't art a privilege, you know, isn't creativity Mm. a privilege and, 
you know, I don't know. What do you, what do you, how do you respond to that? I mean, think think about some of the most beautiful things coming out of communities um, that have been severely traumatized, like the African-American communities um, with the blues and music of uh, jazz and uh, obviously the gospels, Uh, you know, in Haiti where, you know, devastating um, hurricanes uh, wiping away um, millions of homes. And then, you know, you walk around there. I, I, I've never been there, but I, I'm told by, by friends that they teach us how to, how to live beautifully mm-hmm. yeah. how to live with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my bride is uh, working with, um, she's an attorney and uh, she's, um, her effort is to end human trafficking in our generation, uh, working with IJM and um, <clears throat> founded uh, her own organization called Embers International. And, and mm-hmm. just the other day, um, they, they sent us a video from India where there's a severe you know, COVID crisis is happening. And yet um, several of the volunteers, um, but they were girls rescued from, um, you know, these brothels mm-hmm. who, uh, who they have helped to uh, be educated in private schools and they're now nurses. Mm. And some of them will become doctors <laughs> ministering to people on the mm-hmm. street. Mm-hmm. And this was in, in the news, just regular news. So mm-hmm. they send us a video of it. And, and you know, and when you see that, you say, well, you know, first of all, I'm quarantined in Princeton, like you're saying, privilege, you know, yeah, you yeah. Have everything you need. Um, and, and yeah, what am I doing? Right. Right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go out there, actually mend the fractures that, you know, to do what I can to bring healing to people, uh, relief to people. Um, and, and these, these people always can teach us something Mm -hmm. about, you know, what, what we in privileged lives, um, don't get to do, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we, we're just not, um, able to get out of, uh, comfort zones or whatever, but also I think, uh, you know, God has a plan to Mm -hmm. reveal God's plan and God's love through, Mm -hmm people who have nothing mm-hmm. mm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got i've got another question yeah. okay, do you have one i wasn't sure if you were thinking octavia are you go go i'm just thinking a lot of things but no <laughs> questions questions to myself mostly not um, to marco <laughs> i think um i wonder if you can kind of talk to us about kind of ways that we might approach art so there might be people who are listening who are you know, who are fine artists or who go to the theatre and, and, and love that and get into it. And then there might be people who are like, oh, I just don't get it. I don't get what's going on there. You know, I don't, I don't know how to appreciate it. Do you want to talk to us about what, what should our posture be? You know, and are there, are there way, right and wrong ways for us to approach art, both as an artist or as, a, you know, as a, an audience or a receiver of, of art in some, in some way? Everybody has their own um, input capacities yeah. you know yeah. some people are visual yeah. some mm. people are, are kinetic some people uh you know more more uh tuned to music and that's that's great you know you mm-hmm. want to find what you are most mm. uh, attuned to and uh develop that you know so mm. 
you love music, go listen to a live band and, you know, and go, go hear a concert and, and stretch your definition of what music can do. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it definitely helps to get to know an artist, right? So yeah. um, I, was, I was in <laughs> yes. Kansas City once and speaking in front of a full, whole bunch of pastors and I, you know, and, and, and artists, you know, you know, sitting in a corner, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. a whole bunch of pastors sitting in front, you know, and, and um, so I asked them, so. <laughs> There are artists over there, right? They, they they paint and they dance and they do they create. Um, so how many of you have gone visit their rehearsal rooms or their studios? And no hand went up. And and I'm like, I'm wondering, you know, if any of you out there artists would, would like to like offer an invita- invitation right now to your mm-hmm. pastor. To come and you know, like visit them, just visit them. No, no expectations. You know, mm-hmm. and all the hands were like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then one girl uh, raised her hand again, and and she said, actually, I had that happen. A pastor visited me in my studio, and I cannot tell you what it meant to me. Mm-hmm. You know, he then he didn't come to buy work, or he didn't come to understand. Or you know, he didn't know anything about art. But to me, him coming to my studio was a gesture of love. Yeah. That never yeah. happened before. Yeah. Right? That alone said mm. so much about what I needed in my life. So that is a mm. you know great example of um something that can happen. Um, you know, with very simple, simple ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go for it, Octavia. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, th- I think I have more than that, Michael. I, I really appreciate you coming. We can talk, I don't know if we can talk about generative thinking, but I don't know if, if I can take <laughs> any more. <laughs> in, in all of the good senses, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you have something else, Claire, but I I really appreciate. No, but is there anything you anything else you wanted to say, sort of before we? No, before I, we close I do up? mention this in in my book, but the art of kintsugi, um, which is this venerable um, tea wear at, at uh, yeah. high tea tradition in Japan, uh, refined in 16th century Japan, and then. Mm. Uh, you know, Japan having many earthquakes, many of these uh, tea well will break. Yes. And when they do. Oh, you got one there. Oh, so beautiful. Yes. And instead of, uh, you know, fixing it as if nothing ever happened, they accentuate the fractures. And uh, this this was done by a friend of mine for one of our workshops. But, um, you know, here's the crack that's been filled with Japan lacquer and Uh then it's been accentuated with gold. And then she (laughs) added this design next to it with a squiggle with gold. Um, And this is uh, literally an example of new Mm. creation because this uh, Kintsugi bowl is more valuable than the original. Right. How valuable that is, mm-hmm. and you know, Christ's post-resurrection appearance um, is is uh, includes uh, nail marks um, and and the spear mark in in you know mm. in, in, in his mm-hmm. side, and and that 
it's very significant uh, because that means that um, new creation, the wounds are still with us, but it becomes new. Yeah. And um, and so that um, we developed this kit working with a, a Japanese uh, kintsugi master, and um, we're doing workshops and we're kind of targeting. Um, communities that either has been traumatized or mm. is going through difficulties and trying to blend in, um, you know, clinical psychology with um, the, the practice of craft of mm. doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we developed a technique that anybody can do authentic uh, kintsugi using authentic uh, Japan lacquer, but that's the one that is not poisonous. <laughs> and, uh, so, so, you know, anybody can do it, even children. And mm. when you start to talk about making and accessibility of mm. art, you know, so, some people may feel like, well, I'm not an artist, you know, I can't paint or draw, you know, mm. play music. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, this this is a w- one way where we can offer uh, workshops and practice that, mm. that would allow people to um experience some of this new neurons reconnecting mm-hmm. and uh my my wife uh Hedgen is uh heading this up to create something uh, especially in uh areas uh, like in india mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. your needs are and and bring kintsugi to that region um so that that would be one metaphor and yeah. actually practice that um you know that can be talked about in this context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah i love that idea of kind of like almost accent, accentuating the brokenness in order to see the redemption and the life that has that has come and the kind of as you say the newness and the new thing that's created mm-hmm. out of that kind of ex- seeing out of seeing that fracture and yes, and brokenness definitely. yeah Oh, Marco, oh, thank you so much for talking with us and for giving us a beautiful background to look at for the whole time as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is done in response to uh, music composed by Susie Barra, uh, mm. her uh, composition Walking on Water is mm. out today. Oh, wow. Oh, nice. To, uh, Innova Records, and I'll send you a link to that. But yeah, um, yeah so so uh, we've been collaborating for close to 20 years. and. Wow. Uh, going back and forth these are inspired by her music mm-hmm. uh which was inspired by my art when she went to take the uh, audio sound of um melting water uh, in, in himalayan mountains uh the glaciers melting oh. and she uses that as a kind of a way to talk about cries of the earth uh, cries of our hearts uh, through this time and composed a series of music called Walking Water. Oh, uh-huh. wow. Oh. Dang. Oh, that synergy. <laughs> what a beautiful loop. That's amazing. I mean, artists are great on their own. And then when they collaborate, it just becomes this exponential. It's like, yes, and it's, I believe that. Everyone's creativity and kind of making feeding off each other's making is yes such yes a and picture. Susie and I uh, we, we go way back and mm. um, we've kind of grown into this um, way of speaking about very difficult issues and yeah. um, and so this is this is a re- recent collaboration but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh so good thank you Marco 
you don't know this, but this is my last day as the producer of the Region College podcast. You'll be my last interview. <laughs> so this is really special for me. So the, what, what a what an amazing thing. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know and let yeah. uh, <laughs> you on your new journey. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thanks thank you so, so much, much, Marco. Okay. Well, we'll, okay. um, yeah, we'll talk again okay. soon at some other point, but thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Take bye, care. Bye. bye. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.